0: It is Monday, November 26th, 2018, and you are listening to Episode 2 of No Retakes. this the second episode of new retakes the podcast that has grown 100% since its last uh, episode about a week ago um, I'm impressed I don't know about you my name's Chris I'm your host guide buddy I, I said buddy last week so we'll we will stick with that um, I am your buddy for this episode of No Retakes, a podcast about voice acting, mental health, and being an adult in the 21st century. I want to thank all of you for listening and finding the podcast however you found it. I am hosting myself through Anchor. I'm sure you probably heard like a post roll or something uh, from the last episode or each episode uh, going forward. And I don't know how to feel about it. Like I've got a lot of Um, I I know nothing about hosting, about hosting a website, hosting a podcast or RSS feeds or Libsyn or any of these other technical things that you have to learn as you do a podcast. And Anchor is a way to sort of neatly eclipse all of those issues and just be like, I'll put it here and they will put it at uh, they'll put it on all of the podcast platforms Uh, as many as they can get it on Uh, as of recording. I'm on about four or five and some good ones like Stitcher, Spotify, Google podcasts. uh, I'm really happy being there. And I haven't yet promoted the, uh, I haven't yet promoted the podcast on my Twitter or anything like that because I'm not yet on Apple podcasts. Hopefully this week though, Uh, we shall see either way. Uh, Even though I'm doing the work and no one out there really knows about it because I'm not promoting it or talking about it at all, it doesn't matter because like I said last week, it's not about whether you produce a good thing or a bad thing, it's just that a thing is done. Uh, This week is going to take a little bit of a different format since I don't have to introduce myself or the podcast or anything that we have going on here. Um, so I'm hoping that it is going to be a little bit, uh, shorter, uh, just straight up. I'm hoping that I'm not going to have another 50 minute episode for a few reasons. Number one, I'm actually recording this on Monday. It is currently 1220 in the AM, uh, on the East coast when I'm recording this. Uh, I hope to have this done and up in just a matter of like an hour or two hours because I've got work tomorrow or today as it happens to be uh i hope all of you out there had yourself a really really great thanksgiving weekend if you're in the united states if you're not hope you just had a good weekend um we or at least me and my wife had or my uh, wife and i grammar my wife and i had a four-day weekend which i will get into that's like sort of the platonic ideal of what you want out of a holiday weekend like this like Okay, we're going to have a three-day weekend, then we're going to have three days worth of work, and then four days off, and it'll be epic and amazing. And I'm going to get into all of that, um, because uh, I had a very up-and-down break, and it does touch on a few things that I want to talk about. Um, I also, as I'm talking, I'm thinking about what is going to happen with next episode, because as we will get into... This weekend, this upcoming weekend, is PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia, where I will be attending along with my wife and a few friends of mine and a lot of fun people. It's all about board games and tabletop role-playing, and it's going to be a great time. Um, So I don't know how I'm going to cover that time that I'm going to be in Philly. I definitely don't want to miss an upload, because that would suck. Uh, I could take my recording setup as much as I could to Philly with me and record something in the hotel room, which is an option. I could do that. Kind of don't want to, though, because you don't know what's going to happen. You could have someone right outside my hotel room door getting into a huge argument. You could have, like, someone on the far, on the far wall having, like, intimate relations that bleed through uh, the wall, which... You know, like I don't want to shame anybody. I'm, the, hey, Dan, you do you. I don't. I just don't think my audience wants to hear it. Um, so I don't know. I'll come up with something. There will be an answer. There will definitely be a a, a another podcast. Um, one one week from today. But as we get started, uh, knocking on six minutes. I wanted to start talking this episode or wanted to start this episode talking about where I am in my journey as a voice actor because I think this podcast in addition to being an audio diary and sort of like what I'm feeling and what's on my mind what's on my chest every week is sort of cataloging where I'm at in my journey as a voice actor Um, and I really do feel like There are going to be a lot of people out there who will pick this podcast up because they're in similar situations as I am and want either the catharsis of like, hey, someone else out there gets it or someone else is facing the same struggles that I'm facing. Or someone else just wants the schadenfreude of laughing at me and what I'm going through. Either way, hey, have fun listening, guys. Sorry, a bit of water coming up. On a side note, I've really gotten into San Pellegrino. Ever since I was a kid, I hated sparkling water. It's like sparkling water was just weird. Like either, either you want water or you, or you want soda, and you want and there's no middle ground. There's a there's a gulf between them. But uh, ever since I've been I, I really don't know. I think ever since I've been on medication, my, my brain chemistry has changed to the point where now, like, sparkling water is what I crave. And I do not crave soda, like, at all. We have bottles and bottles of of uh, Pepsi in my apartment right now. And I just do not crave it whatsoever. Uh, but, but anyways, uh, right now, where I am at, as a voice actor, taking an honest assessment of where I'm at in the career that I want to have is I'm sort of like in the very, very proto stages. Um, pardon me. Um, where I'm at is sort of like the, like thinking about taking the first step, not even having taken the first step. Uh, I have taken a few preliminary steps, but we'll get into that. Uh, when I was trying to get into this business or when I was thinking about maybe this is a thing that I could do because most like I was going to say most voice actors go through this. And if you are a voice actor out there, if you're an aspiring voice actor, if you're starting to to get work, let me know if this is sort of how you caught the bug, because this is how I caught the bug. Um I would always have people tell me that I had a good voice, like a decent radio voice. I've got an okay baritone. Um right now it's being helped along by uh, by the basic equalizer in in uh in GarageBand to make sure I don't sound too much like this. Um but I feel like like I would hear that so much like when I would talk to to people when I would Uh, help people in my job they would tell me oh you've got a good voice like you know you should do radio and that would have been great advice 15 years ago like if I was 15 years older and uh, then maybe I could have done something about it but as I sort of discovered my love for radio or actually backing up just one second uh, I do have some experience being on the air when I was a kid Uh, I took a radio and TV production class. And in my junior year of high school, my final project, the project of everybody in this class, was you had to spend one month on the air at the local college radio station after the students had left. Now, obviously, it's not one month continuous. It's not like, you know. Radio Torment. And we're on day fifteen of continuous on air playback, and here is the Pachman Turner Overdrive. Please kill me. Bam bam, bam bam, Um Yeah, we would have a set uh shift that we would come in and we would program one hour of of radio every few days. I had the drive time slot. I was the morning slot and it was um, what are the adjectives that I'm looking for? It was scary because I had a very, very pronounced stutter as a kid and you can kind of still hear it. Uh, it's a little better. I think the, I, I honestly, like, I see, there it is. But, um, uh, two things. One, I'm in speech therapy, which I feel like is. Helpful, And actually, another reason why I'm doing this show is so that I can get the practice of just talking and also my speech therapist can listen to this and analyze my speech patterns and be like, OK, here's where this is happening. Here's where that's happening, etc. So, hi, if you're out there listening. Um, the other thing is, yeah, like I would have this very pronounced stutter and I was scared to death of going on the air and locking up. It's been like, and just not able to push out a word that terrified me. Um, Also being live, being like, if you mess up and press a wrong button, like there's dead air and you're responsible for that. Um, Because, and I know I'm getting sidetracked, but, but God damn it. I like talking about this. Uh, I would always bring my own music in because it, you know, college radio station, they had the alternative rock uh, they had like Everclear, lots of Green Day, some U2. Um, and, uh, like this was back when, uh, U2 was considered quote college rock. Actually, I think they had a few songs around them that were, that were fairly contemporary, but whatever. Um, I didn't want to play that. So I brought my own music in on CDs. So I didn't have the luxury of, oh yeah, I'm just playing songs off of the computer's internal hard drive no, I'm constantly swapping out discs and I would load two cartridges up when one when one song finished up, I'd rip it out, p- like f- take the CD out, put the next one in, slot that cartridge in and then queue it queue up the uh the track and hopefully nothing went wrong in the three minutes that the other song took And ever since then I would joke that every radio Dj has a, has a bathroom song. Like some song that's so long that you know this song is there just so the DJ can leave the booth and take a bathroom break. Mine was uh Shine On You Crazy Diamond parts 1 through 5 or 1 through 7. Like whatever the opening to Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here is. I put that on because I was really desperate for a piss one day when I was in in the booth and like, okay, I I got to just like put this on and just let it run so I can go and take care of what I got to take care of and still have like a minute or so left so I can compose myself. And ever since then, when I would hear Shine On, You Crazy Diamond come on over the radio, I'd turn to whomever I, I was with and be like, yeah, you know, a song like that is so that the DJ can go and and like hit the bathroom maybe like check his email see if anything's gone wrong head out of the head out of the uh, station maybe fill his uh, car up head down to the car dealership take a test drive on a new car go out behind the the, the 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 car dealership get a hummer from whomever is like trying to sell him the the car get back and then click you're back on the air. And when I did that, I never appreciated it uh, when I was on the air. And they offered me extra shifts because even though I kind of was – and actually like because I was, the, I was the morning drive slot, I had the like eight to nine slot, I would always try to overcompensate for how terrified and nervous I was for how fast I would speak. You can kind of hear it now. I have a tendency to speak really fast. But um, I can still remember my mic breaks. I'd go, I'd be like, 88.3 WSBU, the buzz. This is Chris Wood rocking your radio with the best of classic rock until nine. Literally that intensity. I thought I was like on the morning zoo, like boing. Yeah, that's right. If you call in with a phrase that pays, you'll get like, I don't know, 15 bucks. It's whatever I have in my pocket. Um, and, yeah, when I was on the air, I never appreciated it. It was it was school. It was work. But I had fun. I had fun programming the show. I remember I did one show uh, almost entirely off of Weird Al Yankovic's latest record, which was Poodle Hat at that point. I think I played four or five cuts off of that record in an hour. I could do it because no one was listening. Um, And there's some freedom to that. That's very liberating to be like, yep, you can you can do whatever you want on this on this station. Just make sure you hit your mic breaks and don't curse. But while I was there, I never appreciated how much I enjoyed it or how much I how much fun I had being on the air. And when I rediscovered that in college like, oh, wow, yeah, I love this. This is great. And this was, like, at the dawn of podcasting. Like, I remember hearing some news show about the earliest podcast of, like, Harry Shearer doing a podcast of his show out of L.A., I think. I forget what station he's on in L.A. But, uh, yeah, uh, that was the first podcast I ever heard I ever heard about was Harry Shearer doing his show and just cutting it up and putting it online and as soon as i found that out as soon as i found out how much i enjoyed doing radio and how much it could be a decent career for me radio especially radio with talk and personalities up and died just flatlined uh i don't blame it like i mean i blame many things a lot of it is the corporations that owned radio stations like cbs radio uh, Clear Channel, and a few others, they just, they h- had all these radio stations. They didn't know what the hell they were doing. Um, right about that time, Don Imus got in trouble and Talk Radio got got a laser focus on because Howard Stern had already left. He had gone on to, on to go satellite and radio, was in the process of moving on from Howard leaving. And... All of these radio stations sort of decided at once that they didn't want that kind of hot talk or guy talk or those sorts of formats on their air anymore. And what sold, like, if you had if you had to have talk, it was local sports or politics, both are things you can get rabidly fanatical about, and you can get you know engagement and call-ins, and you don't have to worry about what is this DJ going to say? Like, what way are they going to try to innovate that's going to accidentally, like, kill somebody? If you if you remember there was that one stunt, like, hold your Wii for a Wii. Like, people would deny themselves going to, to the bathroom, and whoever did it the longest would win a Nintendo Wii. Ha ha ha. Uh, and it would have been funny, except someone died in, in the process of doing that. Uh, So all of the radio stations just at once decided that it wasn't worth it. And music radio. um, They were so terrified of the iPod and iTunes that they thought the way to come to compete with Apple and with the iPod were to mimic it and be like, oh, we'll do like half hour blocks with no commercials and no breaks. And like that just wasn't the right way. Like the way that you compete with the iPod, which is just a computer playing songs that are on a hard drive, randomly on shuffle is to have a human being curate these songs and give you that personal touch. But human beings are very expensive. So no one wanted to hear that. So that's why the radio station just straight up died or the radio industry straight up and died. Uh, once I got out of college, there are still like bits and pieces of it. like I actually applied to to Sirius for a few different positions, uh, mostly on like board op or or low level producerial uh, uh, jobs. Um, but nothing but nothing really happened for me. Anyways, radio wasn't really an avenue for me. It wasn't something that I could do. Um, but everyone was, was telling me that I had a great voice and I thought, okay, well, if I've got a great voice, I, I ought to, uh, capitalize off of it some way. I need to monetize it in some way, big words it in some way. And I thought, okay, if I have a good voice, I just have to like, maybe, Like develop it, maybe get a character or something, and then I'll go out and I'll try reading it. Maybe I'll be a voice actor, but that's not how it works. And you'll see what I went through in this thought process. I first thought, okay, I've got a decent voice. I'll just try out for, for a few things and the right project will find me. That's no, that's just not how, how it works in this industry. Um, There are a ton of people out there who have a great voice, but you need more than that. So the next thing I thought was, okay, like I can, I've got an okay speaking voice and I'm a decent impressionist. Like I can do a bunch of different character voices. I'll just try out for something like that. Not really. Voice actors can do voices. They can do impressions, but they're not impressionists impressionists are comedians they're people who mimic other people for comedic effect they aren't portraying those characters so then i thought okay uh maybe i'll try like you know commercial reads or audio books or maybe i should try to look into those and, and this is when i was starting to think about like maybe i should produce a demo of something and everywhere that i turned Every person that I spoke to, everything that I read, told me the same exact thing. And that thing was, it's not enough to have, quote unquote, a good voice. A good voice is not the first step to being a voice actor. A good voice is the first thought towards taking the first step. And even then, it's not enough to to get you into the door. Being able to mimic people is not enough. Avoiding narrative projects like animation or video games, avoiding those projects and be like, okay, I'll just stick to, like, you know, just reading stuff. I can read, like, I'll just read stuff, right? No. The underlying problem to all of these and where I'm starting at right now is you have to be a good actor, it's voice actor not voice actor, it's voice actor. And what that means is you are acting, you are portraying a character, you are acting through the medium of your voice. And if you don't have good acting skills, you will be destroyed by people who do. Because that's what the industry wants right now. And they don't want like, Don LaFontaine, Voice of God, like, this sort of character who can do really awesome deep veritone and you will listen to me because of my epic voice. I mean, there's one guy out there who can do There were two. One of them's dead. The other one is on uh, YouTube. But the days of the Voice of God or quote-unquote announcer voice, those are gone. People don't want that. Or the people who are willing to pay you Don't want that. What they want is believable. They want natural. They want the boy and girl next door. They don't want someone like this selling you dog food. They want someone like this selling you dog food. You know, someone who's kind of nice and happy and whom you can sort of relate to is because they sound like me. And that's what people are looking for right now. So where I'm at is I realized that I'm not going to get anywhere in this industry just by having, quote, a good voice. No one's going to give you a shot based on that. What they want is someone who can act, someone who can portray a, a character, someone who can make choices, someone who can take direction, and someone who's professional. If you can do those things, you'll have a shot at least. And I feel very lucky of where I live in this, in New York city, because there are avenues that I can dip my toes into the water that I can start to develop a career without going all in on it. Like if you remember from last episode, I expressed some anxiety about, I might be done with New York and maybe my future is out in Los Angeles. And that very well could be true. But I was listening to uh, Crispin Freeman's podcast, uh, Voice Acting Mastery. And I'm going to shout out Crispin's podcast a lot because it's one of the best uh, avenues for information that I've been getting. Um, I know D. Bradley Baker has I want to be a voice And I haven't checked it out, but I should. Uh, I was listening to one of uh, Crispin's podcasts, an early one. And. He went through kind of the same thing that I'm going through except Crispin was an established actor. He was in the theater. He was performing. He was getting booked. He was making he was making a living or making money acting. And when he decided that voiceover was what he wanted to do and he went out to LA, he found himself stymied because he was a big fish in a small pond. And that's a thing that I'm kind of used to. And that's a place that I'm very comfortable of being a big fish in a small pond. New York is a huge city and there's a ton of opportunities here. As far as voiceover goes, it's not the biggest market in or it's not the biggest market for opportunity in the world. There's some here, but it's not as it's no it's not as large as LA. That's just a fact. And once he'd maxed out his career opportunities, he was already booking the best jobs in New York. He's like, okay, I've leveled up and I now need to go to Los Angeles in order to get to the next level. And when he got there, he realized that he may have been one of the, one of the big fish in New York, but there are very, there are much bigger fish in Los Angeles. And, when you're in L.A., you're competing against the best actors in the world. You're competing against people who have been doing this for years. You're competing against people whom the casting directors already have established relationships with. And it's hard. It is a tough nut to crack. And he realized that, he, that his skills weren't up to par to compete with those people. So what did he could do? He improved those skills. And when I heard that, my anxiety about being like, oh, my God, like, am I going to have to uproot myself and move out to L.A. and blah, blah, blah. And sort of already getting into that mindset, which is what I do. I always like I jump the gun like I imagine myself three or four steps down down the line. But I miss that. You've got to go through those three to four steps in order to get there. And I realized that if that's where he was competing at that level was the best actors in the world, having the experience and the skill that he did at the time, having been in the theater, having been in anime and all of that stuff, I, it put my, my place in perspective. And I know now that I've got a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work that I'm going to have to do before I'm even close to getting there. And that made me feel better to realize that, okay, this might be something that I will have to deal with in a future time. But as it stands right now, I am better served getting my skills together, being a better actor than I am. And I'll go into my into sort of where I'm at and breaking down a scene and things like that in a future episode. That might be next week's episode because I've definitely got a lot to to talk about. Um, but that's where I'm at right now. I'm like, okay, I've got a lot of work to do, and oh, and that work involves being becoming a better actor, learning how to break down a scene, learning how to make choices, getting comfortable surrendering myself to a character and being able to pretend that I'm that character very, very well. Like making people believe that I'm that character and not me. And my path to that, as it is right now, is I'm reading just as much as I can get my hands on, just Reading, 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 reading as much copy as I can to get comfortable with it, get comfortable with reading copy so that I'm I feel like I could be in a position where a director or a producer could hand me a copy for whatever, like a new stereo system or something or like a brand new car. And I could just skim it, get the read into into my head perform it, and do that multiple times giving different reads each time. Because that's what they are are looking for. Being able to be flexible, being able to take direction, but also being good enough that you just can just pick it up, read it, and go. Uh, Crispin calls voice actors the short order cooks of the acting world, and I definitely agree with that. It's the skill of being able to just pick your sides up, make a choice and run with it. And in doing so, like being able to sort of to to sort of move and act quickly, the next step that I want to take is improv classes. Um I do a lot of improvisation right now in my in, in my role playing, um in my role playing life, I guess. Uh there's a ton of improv involved in that, but I'm talking about more structural improv, scenes, scene partners, parameters, and that sort of thing. Um, and I'm planning on, in 2019, taking a, a, a class with the Upright Citizens Brigade. Um, that's a very introductory class. It's a very expensive class, but it's an introductory class. And what I want to do is go through that, go through the, that course and see if I can absorb it. If I can, and I can start to maybe get a little better at this, then maybe I'll take another class. Maybe I'll go back and take one of uh, one of uh, Crispin's coaching classes, which he does offer. And through those steps, I will get comfortable enough with my ability, and also in doing this podcast, I will get comfortable enough in my ability to talk, in my ability to perform, in my ability to act, and then from there i can make a demo once i make a demo i can start to audition for jobs and once i've got that my hope is that in 2019 i can start putting myself out there for auditions and always always trying to improve like like a musical instrument um you're constantly practicing you're constantly improving uh you're never like okay I've I've graduated, I'm done, now I'm going to try and get work. It's you're going to try to get work while at the same time trying to get better. Uh, and that's my plan, at least. That's sort of where I'm at, and I'm quite interested to hear if other people out there uh, are going through the same journey or where they're at or how they got started or what they think about it. Uh, you can tweet me at JustChrisWood, and I really want to hear those those stories. That was a very long winded way for the first bullet point, And I thought about being like, okay, this is going to be like a half an hour uh, podcast. I am limiting myself to a half an hour, especially because it's so damn late. Uh, and I might do that because I have my notes for actually, no, I, I have to get this off of, off of my uh, chest because everything else about packs and Star Trek and hockey, like those things that are sort of ancillary in in my life, those can hold. But I do want to talk about this thing that sort of rocked my my Thanksgiving weekend, um, and it's the sort of thing that uh, you really only can experience if you have a significant other or someone to whom or whom you're very close to. Um, my Thanksgiving weekend, Thanksgiving was great. Spent time with uh, my in-laws and had a great time. The Friday after Thanksgiving, quote unquote, Black Friday. On Black Friday, I really didn't do much of anything. I didn't go out and shop. I did, like I very in intentionally battened down the hatches and hunkered down because I live on, on Staten Island. Staten Island is a suburb and people can go crazy. Like I heard that the mall was a war zone. Um, and I didn't want to deal with any of that. So on Friday I did nothing. And by that, I mean literal nothing on the couch for 12 hours. um, I think it was necessary. My body told me that I needed that downtime. So I don't feel bad about taking it. But at the same time, I also feel like. Uh, like it's not the healthiest way to to spend my life, not just in terms of physical health, but mental health, because even though my body was like, you worked super hard, take this day. Um, if I'm that, if I'm just slothful, if I'm just on, on the couch, like if it doesn't exist within arm's reach of, of, uh, the couch, it does not exist like at all. Uh, that sort of day, I don't feel great about, um, it is what it is and I don't care that much or it doesn't bother me that much, but. There is a part of me that just feels like, oh, man, we did absolutely nothing. And I feel worse that I just haven't moved in like in 12 hours. But I made up for it in spades uh, on the weekend itself on Saturday and Sunday. Um, Like I said, we've got Packs Unplugged coming up and my wife and I will be heading down there. So. I had a ton of preparations that I had to do. I wanted to do my laundry. I had to make sure that the car was filled up with gas. I had to make sure that I had all of my stuff prepped for the game that I'm running. Uh, I just had a a laundry list of errands that needed to get done. And in the middle of it at three o'clock, my wife texts me that she's having a panic attack because her computer is giving her a strange error message. Now, my wife is very computer adept. She's very intelligent, and she's been around computers most of her life. Um, but my wife also is a worrier. Uh, nothing against that; it's just how she is. And I could, and I immediately thought that something on the scale of, "Uh oh, what's going on with with my computer?" could trigger something within her that could cause her just to spiral. And I immediately, my clothes were in the dryer. I stopped what I was doing and I went home to, to see what was going on and if I could help. As it turns out, uh, her computer experienced a rather serious error and uh, now it would no longer recognize her hard drive. It's like, oh, there's a hard drive here. We can't mount it. And if you know anything about computers, that's a bad sign. That's a sign of there could be a hardware problem or there could be a software problem. If there's a hardware problem, you could practically kiss all of your data on that drive goodbye. Uh, If there's a software problem, who, who knows? Maybe it could be fixed. Maybe it can't be fixed. And to complicate matters, my wife had a backup hard drive with her that had last been backed up in April of 2017, and on her hard drive was a year's worth of pages for her webcomic, Technically Magic, which you can find at technicallymagiccomic.com, and If she didn't get those back, that's a year's worth of work gone. And to many people, that's fatal for a project to have a year's worth of productivity, a year's worth of output erased. I know what's happened. I, I know there are novelists out there who've lost entire novels because of their computer crashing. Uh, so what we did is we made an appointment with the uh, with the Genius Bar down at the Apple Store. We went down there after I got my clothes back and everything, and we were hopeful that the Genius or the dude who was able to, who was helping us would be able to take would be able to get the data off of her internal hard drive onto an external hard drive so if we had to wipe the if we had to wipe the uh, computer clean no big deal the good news was <clears throat> the good news was that there was no discernible hardware malfunction it seemed to be just like okay a program wouldn't close so force close it restart open back up the the program would auto open and then experience an an error and blah 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 and then trying to continuously force closing and restarting and even hardware restarting caused there to be a software malfunction that um, removed that basically corrupted the disk partition the best way that i can describe it is if your hard drive is a library with all of the books. Imagine a tornado going through and throwing all of the books onto the floor. And oh, and by the way, the filing system is gone. No more Dewey Decimal System. It's all gone. So that's what we were faced with. The data was there on the hard drive, but there was no program able to read it. And my wife um rather uh, understandably was concerned uh i could see it in her face uh she described it almost like seeing a child in an operating table or or a child on the operating table like you're powerless to do anything you're just like crossing your fingers and hoping that everything turns out okay that that they're going to make it through um the people at Apple were not able to help us. They were able to assuage our fear that there was no hardware issue, because I feel I feel like that would have been worst case scenario. Like, hey, the computer's busted. Oh, and by the way, we've got to to take it. Oh, and by the way, there's no way we can save this data. So sorry. That would have been like double fatality, flawless victory, like a a against us. Like that would have been the worst. Um, so to today dealing with my wife being in a mopey mood all day and not that I blame her for it. Like if I were going through it, I would, <clears throat> I would be feeling very similar too. I'd be feeling kind of the, the same way, uh, after doing that, I did my chores for uh, the day. I got rid of a lot of, 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 of things that needed to be recycled Blah, 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 blah. We were able to try this third-party software that my wife had found online via a YouTube video. And this is the sort of thing I'm super, super cautious about. Because people who write malicious software or sketchy software tend to prey on people who are desperate. Like... Here's photos of, like, your grandmother from World War II. They don't exist anywhere except on this hard drive. And something's going on and you need to, 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 to get them off of this hard drive. And you're unable to. There's some shyster out there who will sell you something and be like, oh, yeah, totally, just use, use this and it will totally work. And take your money and go laughing all the way to the bank. Or worse, they'll propose a free solution that's actually malicious. Like you will invite like viruses and uh, and and, key and like click trackers and all of that stuff, uh, uh, keystroke input trackers, all of that stuff onto onto your uh, computer because you're desperate and someone's someone's offering you a free solution. It's like literally making a deal with the devil, and I don't mean to, to sound like Alex Jones here. I don't mean to to, to sound like there's like that every everybody out there on the internet's trying to trying to uh get you. They're gonna turn all of your apps gay and, or any of that stuff. Like I'm just saying, I know there are people out there who want to screw you, and the their best targets are the desperate are either the like A, ignorant, and B, desperate. And if you're both, even better. But we found this software. We tried out a free version of it, and it seemed to find files. So we ponied up. I paid $100 to open up a full copy of it and do a download of just this folder, the the folder that was most important. And wouldn't you know it, it appears to have worked. Uh, I've double-checked and triple-checked as much as possible. I'm able to open files and and preview. Um, There's data on there. There's there's space being taken up on this hard drive with these files. It seems to be okay. Now, I won't feel 100% until my wife's computer is back up and running and she's able to do her comic work once again. But it was pretty touch and go there for a day and a half. And the reason why I bring this up and like the real point of this is because in our relationship, I know that my wife is a worrier. She's someone who assumes the worst. She's someone who can sometimes let small things bend her out of out of shape. I can't help that and nor do I want to because I'm not here to fix her I'm here to support her and when something goes wrong especially something like this where the prospect of losing a year's worth of work to the point where maybe you're not able to continue with this project that you're passionate about if that's the specter looming over someone you love then I definitely want to be there I worry sometimes that I am removing or limiting my wife's capability to solve problems on her own because I'm a fixer. It's one of my personality traits. I really enjoy helping people out of their problems, being able to say, oh, you've got something that's going wrong. I can fix it in like technical or offering advice on creative stuff or like you know doing the doing the Lucy Van Pelt psychiatrist desk like all of all of that stuff i enjoy or i thrive i get a kick i mean i shouldn't say that cuz that sounds like like it's a kink but it's not i feel like i enjoy helping people as much as i can and i worry sometimes that with her i am helping her too much and I'm making her too dependent upon me. But I know that my wife is a strong woman and if I wasn't here, she would have gotten through it. I don't know how she would have gotten through it or what the um, what's or or how easy it would have been but I have a feeling that she would have gotten through it in some way. But even today, like with the specter of not knowing what's going to happen to her data, what's going to happen to her work, it made her physically sick. And when I'm there watching this happen, I'm torn between a lot of different emotions. I'm torn between, um, I'm torn between like, Wanting to be over her and say, like, they're there, everything's going to be okay. To giving her a ton of space and be like, listen, I can't help you. I can't solve this problem for you. You're going to have to figure this out. To why can't you accept the things that are beyond your 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 control and focus on just what change you can impact or what change you can have in this situation those are all of the thoughts running through my head simultaneously and if i'm selfish if i'm being selfish i'm thinking only about myself and like oh this is really bringing me down or you're being like and that makes me sound like a really shitty person because if this is sort of where like you go to when someone's hurting you are a shitty person um obviously i tr- like i feel those feelings of this is putting a bummer on my weekend like this is impacting my life because i am in proximity to this but when you're in a relationship with 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 someone else I I feel like it's important and it's essential to know that they're if they're hurting, even just being, even just talking, can help. And I was trying to think of ways of maybe like taking her mind off of it, or doing something else, or just be, like, hey, we're just we're gonna go and we're going to do something fun. But her and I have very similar sort of ups and downs. If we're in a depressed state, sometimes there's not much that can be done to lift us out of it other than just to let it ride out. And yeah, like I'm still like, we've been together for a very long time and I still have to think about our relationship every now and then, not to reevaluate it, not to be like a taking an audit of what's going on with us. But more in the situation of like I want to make sure that the relationship is as healthy as it can be for the both of us. I want to be there for my wife when she needs me. I want to comfort her when she needs it. I want to be the I want to be her rock. For when she needs something to hold on to. But I also want to make sure that she's not reliant on me to fix those situations. To know that things can be really shitty. Things can be turbulent. Things can be uncertain. But be strong enough to know that you will be okay. Even without me. And I think that's what this sort of incident taught me. And we've been through stuff like this before of her being in a very, very, very down position and me not being able to do anything about it. And it can make you feel helpless to not be able to affect any real change. And you not you don't want to have to give platitudes of like, oh, it'll be all right. Um, but... I think that for the both of us, we know each other and we know when when we have to be there for the other person. And I think that's why our relationship is as successful as it is right now. So that's the moral of that story. The other part of it is back up your shit. Period. If you have something important out there, back it up. Back it up locally, back it up externally. So have an on site backup and an off site backup. And I know you've heard this a billion times, but every time someone says it, and there's someone out there who's like, yeah, I got it. No problem. No big deal. I got it. Every time someone says something like that, they're playing with fire or they're dancing with disaster to be like, oh, it won't happen to me. But it will happen to you eventually. In fact, I'm already, like, I have a okay backup solution. I'm in a slightly different position being in voiceover. Like, when my deliverables are all done, I'm done. Like, once this podcast is edited and mixed down, I don't care if the original files are gone. I'm not going to remix this, it's done. Um, But I've already started to look into a more elegant and a more robust backup system, because if you're just counting on it not happening to you, you are asking for trouble. And that's all I've got to, to say about that. Well, I said I was going to do a hard cut of 30 minutes, and I'm a filthy, filthy liar. Um, But that's going to do it for me. It's currently 1.12 in the a.m. right now. Uh, I've got to do some quick mixing, some quick editing, and then I can release this and then head to bed. Uh, Thank you so much for listening and for sticking with me. If you want to get in touch, you can find me on Twitter at the previously mentioned at JustChrisWood. You can also find me on Twitch at the same handle. I did do some uh, experimentation with my mic setup to see if it will work with the uh, with the PlayStation, and it will not. Uh, as I had predicted last week, for some reason, the PlayStation isn't powerful enough to power a USB audio interface, a professional USB audio interface, with an XLR microphone that has to supply phantom power. Go figure. Um, I do have another solution. My Rode Podcaster is still fine. I just have to buy another shock mount for it. So I hope to be streaming once again pretty soon. I think my next stream when, when I come back is going to be a full voice-acted playthrough of Undertale, a game that I'm very familiar with, but I have not actually played yet. So uh, I hope people would be interested in watching someone who sort of knows a little bit about Undertale, but not, um, but doesn't actually have the context So that'll be that. Uh, In the meantime, thank you very much for listening to No Retakes. This has been Chris, and take care of yourself.